You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits, C103. And a very good morning to you. Lines are open on 0818 103 103. Bernie, take in your comments across the programme. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And ahead this morning, Electric Ireland, the latest energy company to increase prices for both electricity and gas. We'll be discussing that also very shortly. A temporary ferry service is now going to be made available for Jersey Island. It's a very last minute decision. We spoke to a number of the residents on the island and those who are originally from Jersey Island living on the mainland, working on the mainland, but still go back and farm on the island, helping out their relatives and helping out others who remain there. But it was going to cause a problem and an animal welfare issue if something wasn't to be arranged. And on Wednesday, uh, yesterday, and indeed on Tuesday, when we spoke to locals from Jersey, they thought at this stage nothing was going to happen because of the tit-for-tat between the council and the department. Anyway, uh, last minute again, uh, it has been decided very shortly. We'll be discussing that. But following news yesterday, Yesterday on the Leaving Cert reform, many students feel that they still will require grinds, but one Cork TD feels measures need to be taken on private grind schools. And he feels these schools are making money out of students' anxiety around the Leaving Cert. We'll be discussing with Deputy Mick Barry, who raised the issue yesterday, which on Taoiseach. Also, we had discussed the route option for the Cork to Limerick road or motorway. They're not calling it a motorway as yet, but we did discuss that on the show yesterday. After 12.30, the meeting was held yesterday morning. We were revealing the route yesterday on the show after 12.30, but a lot of people were coming to grips with the reaction and with the route. So we'll hear locally uh, the reaction from people whose basically lands it will plough through and communities feel they could be split over uh, the route that is chosen. And the Cork and Kerry Munster Senior Football Championship semi-final game, that will now take place in Killarney following a meeting by the Munster Council last night. But the Cork panel and management are unhappy with this as they wish for the game to be played in Cork. We'll be discussing with our GAA correspondent, Fembar McCarthy. Your views are welcome. Uh, does it really make a difference where the game is played? Or do you agree with the Cork team, the fact that it was due to be played in Cork 
obviously enough Parky Cueve has been used for concerts Parky Ring was the venue they'd chosen but the Munster Council wanted in Killarney because they can put more people into that stadium anyhow your views are welcome on that also our Gardevoil and later after 12.30 Jane Pickish will join us with pet advice for a Thursday so that's your Cork Today until 1 our lines are open 0818 103 103 if you want to raise something else in the show or text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 also all this week we are giving you the chance to win with the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry uh, they're celebrating 25 years in business we've been giving away some amazing prizes all week including afternoon tea leisure centre membership dinner and overnight stays and today you could win yourself a wild Atlantic getaway that is one night stay with dinner at the Celtic Ross Hotel celebrating 25 years of hospitality in Ross Carberry see CelticRossHotel.com all you have to do is listen for a trip based question on an event over the last 25 years we'll be giving you that later in the programme and if you know the answer you could be heading off to beautiful Ross Carberry what a day it would be today to be staying over in Ross and looking out at the causeway from the hotel and making the most of the beautiful beaches nearby going to Skib maybe going to Long Strand going to the Warren for a nice walk in the sunshine while staying over with the wild Atlantic getaway wouldn't that be nice well you could win that stay tuned later and with thanks to the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry but it's been described as an 11th hour solution to the long-running dispute over the connection of Jersey Island to the mainland, uh, mainland and it has been found. But at the last minute, uh, Deputy Michael Collins, Independent Deputy for Cork South West, joins me on this. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, John Paul. Uh, were you disappointed, first of all, that it took so long? The locals were quite worried. They thought nothing would happen because it came down to the wire on this one. Uh, the fact that on Tuesday and Wednesday, nothing had been decided and a very kind of a tit-for-tat attitude between the council and the department. Yeah, it was disappointing to say, to say the least, John Paul. I suppose, first of all, I welcomed the announcement yesterday um, of, of, of a temporary solution um, that the ferry service would be uh, funded uh, and provided to the people of, of Georgia Island. But it, it's incredible it took this much time and, and, and the concerns and the worries of the people. I met them on numerous occasions. I uh, was on the phone I'd say, nearly every day of the week talking to them in that much time and, and, and trying to, you know, I suppose, you know, Councillor Denny Collins, Councillor Patrick Jordan Murphy, trying to force from their end a solution from the local authority side of it and we trying to here and this in force the, the government on our end here to, to respond and, and, and thankfully all came together. But you, you said to the 11th, the 11th hour to the 11th hour and the 59th minute, there's no doubt about it. But look, there is a solution. We must welcome the solution for the sake of the residents uh, on the island, for the sake of the farmers that use the island and for the sake of the holiday makers too because this is a big uh, plus to the Bear Peninsula to have, you know, the island, the island is well visited during uh, summer months and, and, and uh, it, it's a welcome story all along. And it is welcome and it's great news that this will be facilitated. Uh, do we know why they could make the decision at the very last hour but they could not confirm this across the last number of months when they knew the cable car was going to be out of operation tomorrow? Well, I raised it on numerous occasions in the Dáil and Minister Heather Humphreys uh, kept telling me, either through other ministers or through herself, that uh, she had no request got um, uh, from the local authority uh, to, to that there was any, uh, we'll say, need as such. Um, now, the local authority made it very clear, that, uh, the Mayor, Cork County apparently, uh, and, and others at the meeting last Monday, they, they outlined the, the correspondence between themselves and, and the department, but sadly... Um, there seems to be a breakdown continues. That happened with me too with the Taoiseach board. They don't ever seem to get an email or they don't ever seem to get a letter 
I don't ever seem to hear anything when it suits them. And but on, look, we we were in that kind of a desk situation. Uh, but uh, late last week, a request went in from the local authority for funding for a, a temporary uh, two hundred and forty day uh, ferry service. Um, and as soon as I knew that that had gone from the local authority to the department, it was then fully a department issue to deal with, and that was the funding. So I, I raised the question again on Monday with the teacher who, who passed on to Heather Humphreys, Minister Humphreys, who was um, in, a, in the dollar at that time, and um, she said that, look, I've only just got it. I'll look at it. I'll be making a decision, and thankfully she made that decision yesterday morning uh, in a positive manner to the, you know, for the greater good of the people of the Bear Peninsula. And you mentioned there the 240 days. I presume that is the length of time that the cable car will be out of service for as well and, and the ferry will take up that temporary uh, kind of, I suppose, measure between the ferry operating and the cable car not operating. Is Are we correct and clear in that? Yeah, it, it's, it's 240 days the cable car will be uh, of operation as okay. of from t- tonight. But um, I, I've been in contact with the local authority because obviously the, the residents and the, and the people there are very anxious to find out is the service going to be available tomorrow morning? It's not. Uh, from what I've been told, the local authority are working uh, in the, almost around the clock to get this issue resolved. Now, seeing as the funding has been allocated, so I think what they want to put in place is a temporary operator um, uh, until they appoint uh, a full-time operator. We'll say for the two hundred and forty days, but I'd hope within a week this will all be resolved. Obviously, when it went to the eleventh uh, hour and the fifty-ninth minute, unfortunately, these things it's a, it's a slip over uh, the time but. Again, I, I try and keep uh, focusing on the on the positive side. There is going to be a service there um, to to Dursley Island, the fabulous island, as, as well. We know, and and we all look forward. And uh, you know, I spoke to the islands on numerous occasions. I, I remind them that uh, one time the, mizzen, the bridge in the mizzen uh, head uh, had to be um, taken down and, and replaced, and that was an awful shock and a blow to the to the people of the mizzen peninsula at that time. But they survived it, and 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 the bridge is a. Mizzen um, Bridge is world renowned, uh, and people from all over the world come to see it. And same, we'll be here when the towers and everything is repaired. Dirty cable car, we'll be all up there uh, on the day of the opening. Uh, I reminded the Taoiseach um, on, on Tuesday in the Doll that in 1969, the Taoiseach Jack Lynch uh, opened the the Dirty uh, Island cable car, and you know they had a service from 69 until until tonight, and you know. Thankfully, hopefully, by the first next week, there'll be a, a, a new type temporary service. And we're hoping the ferry, though, even though it won't be the, 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 the ferry, the temporary one in operation, that there will be some ferry operating tomorrow morning and then the establishment of the other temporary ferry will be next week. Is that where we're hoping that people still will my, be able to get to the island tomorrow? My understanding is that there won't be anything in place tomorrow, unfortunately. My understanding is, but I would be expecting the first next week that uh, uh, there would be a temporary operator in place. That's my understanding, unless things change as the day goes on. Uh, um, we've been in contact with the local authority because they now have to make decisions here. They now have to uh, be talking with the, with the operators who are who have the licence um, and they are up there in, in Catalonia because I've been talking to them. And, um, you know, I, I think this issue could be resolved by the first, maybe Monday, hopefully next week. But, but until is, Monday, is there anything operating then? Is there no way to the island until Monday? My my concerns is that there isn't. Um, from what I can gather, there'll be uh, no one in operation by tomorrow. But you never know. The, the, you know, there's, this is only announced uh, in the middle of the day yesterday. There's uh, obviously negotiations have started since yesterday, even the local authority and 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 uh, ferry operators. There's, there's probably some of them operating already in other areas, so that their schedule has to be moved around ever so slightly. But there's uh, there's a lot happening behind the scenes. So I don't think there'll be a service tomorrow morning. But Look, we're working hard on it to, to get it across the line that there will be. 
certainly if not tomorrow morning, the morning after, you know. Okay, hopefully there will be for the weekend anyhow, because there is animal welfare issues there as well uh, for those who farm on the island. Uh, Michael, before I let you go, something you were concerned about uh, at the start of the crisis, first of all, in the energy crisis, and then, unfortunately, when we have, at the moment, the Russian invasion in Ukraine. And now we learned this morning and yesterday evening that more than 1.2 million households, they're facing energy bill hikes, and this is because Electric Ireland are going to increase their electricity and gas prices. Uh, and on um, Taoiseach Michal Martin was telling a private Fianna Fáil parliamentary party last night that he worries about the winter because we could face energy shortages this year. Uh, I mean, with all of that, it looks like things will just keep going up and up when it goes to energy. It's um, spiralling out of control, this announcement by Electric Ireland. About 23 to 25% increase in May is a, is, a, is, a, is a body blow to people that are struggling and, fa- and families out there that are struggling at this present time. Jump off and, and they're struggling already to pay the bills they have without worry, the worry of, 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 of another increase again. But my, my argument here is the state owns 95% of electric iron. And I cannot understand. Last year alone, they made 679 million profits. And I said that uh, with you recently in, in, in the radio station. And uh, the, the dividend from that to the government was 126 million. The government are on the take. They're taking it one way and they're taking it another way. They're, they're playing very, very unfair with the people of this country. And there's 1.2 million people going to be, um, going to be affected by this. The government has to stand up and, and understand that they can't take this hit in the pocket. ESB power plants uh, made a profit per hour, 132,000 to 138,000 last year, per hour, the profits they were making. And the government standing idly by and allowing them inc- another increase and to push it back onto the people. And on top of that, you had the issue last week, going out to, um, to Europe, pleading for the, the, the Lord of Atom and fuel, which is great, and I welcome it. But they're still plowing ahead with a carbon tax increase in May. And this, we cannot, this country cannot take it. And I, we met with the farm contractors of Ireland yesterday, and they're telling us their green diesel has gone jump off from 54 cents uh, in 2020 to 75 cents in 2021 to 1 euro 35 cents. Now, when, when dim contractors used to go, go cut silos before, they were, they were using about 2,000 per tractor per day. It's going to be 4,500 euros per day. Now many of the contractors are pulling out because they cannot, They know that the farmer can't pay. If the farmer can't pay and the silos won't be cut, you know, the whole thing has a knock-on effect. We're going to be looking at empty shelves if the government will not, in, and they won't intervene properly. We call for the rural independent group. We had our own motion to the done. They voted us down. For, for a, a proper mini-budget. That's what's needed in this country, to look ahead, to see what's coming, not this little drip-feed, drip-feed, and a little bit of money that's like, you know, the recent announcement was 20% off public transport for darts and for... This has to be an Irish um, solution, not a, not a local solution. And while you and mentioned the knock-on effects there, Michael, would you call so for the ESB, Electric Ireland's parent company, to those dividends you mentioned the government's get and the profits they made, to, if that can be, if that can happen, could they reinvest those back and reduce prices? The sad thing is, John Paul, every time we mention something like this that will help uh, the, the public out there, the unfortunate thing is the government continues, oh, Europe restrains us from this, and Europe is the greatest excuse that was ever met about in Dolly Iron. But the, the, it, when the government are making 126 million of dividend out of a profit of 679 million last year, the same company now are going to rise 23 to 25%, and they won't pass that. Um, they won't pass them profits onto the, onto the, 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 the householder. There's something wrong somewhere. And the government are, are, are standing idly by while people are suffering. And it's unfortunately, I keep seeing it, and I'm, I, I, I've yet to be told it's different. It's green policy. And it's green policy put 
fuel out of the price range of people so they won't they won't use their cars put the energy prices out of the uh, price range of people so they, they, they can't afford to put on their lights, to put on their heating. I have a company that are willing uh, to set up a floating LNG terminal um, off of Cork Harbour. Uh, a man that has come back to, to West Cork that has been a, a good part of his life about doing the very same thing, providing energy uh, to people. We're totally and utterly reliant on the whole world to give us everything and we're shutting down everything here in our own country ourselves. OK, well, I think the energy spiralling, as you said, will continue for the moment, Michael. Thanks for joining us on the programme. That is Independent Deputy Michael Collins. Your views are welcome. 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Uh, and as we mentioned, the ESB there, staff at the state-owned ESB, they will continue to get discounts on their electricity bills. Now, that's not unusual for people who work in a company. If there is for insurance or a utility company, you will get discounts for your, I suppose, loyalty to the company first of all if you're there a long time but also if you're a staff member uh, discounts are not unusual in companies but uh, despite the energy supplier announcing these uh, price hikes the Simi State's uh, staff of nearly 8,000 they are still going to be entitled to a 670 euro discount a year on their electricity bills nearly half which is that is nearly half the average annual bill uh, now the, the way it works is the staff get a 55% discount on the first 100 on the first 1000 units of electricity on the bill they receive from the company every two months but then people are saying few households would use more than 1000 units every two months and that is considering the prices are increasing but i suppose anybody working in a company like that you would say best of luck to them but people are asking questions like michael is if they can still allow the staff discounts if they can still make profits and dividends for the government should that not be reinvested in so that the consumers who are going to struggle paying the price hikes uh, can actually pay their bills uh, 0818 103 103 lines open text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and a very sad news yesterday afternoon if you're a fan of the pop band The Wanted you'll be familiar with a number of their songs uh, The Wanted star Tom Parker he passed away surrounded by his family and friends and he passed away while listening to Oasis hit Live Forever he was diagnosed two years ago with a brain tumour he's just 33 years old and he was surrounded uh, by his wife and the mum of his um, two children who are simply heartbroken uh, at his passing. His band members are heartbroken but they were in Cork a number of years ago at the Marquee and there was a group of, of, of media interviewing them and they were just so, as most of the majority of, of those type bands are so down to earth and a joy to interview but it's just so sad at a young age uh, that uh, you know somebody with that much talent has passed away and also on a different note of things, the BAFTAs the nominations are out and we must say Congrats to Bandon's own Graham Norton, who has been nominated before and nominated again this time around uh, for a comedy entertainment programme and a comedy entertainment performance for the Graham Norton show, which airs on BBC, having won already six previous BAFTAs. Uh, so well done to Graham. Uh, also, of course, works in this company with our sister station in the UK, Virgin Radio and Channel 4, their series, It's a Sin. Uh, that's leading the nominations with 11 awards. The very best of luck to everybody there. And just a reminder to those who were living on Whitty Island and you receive your water from the Whitty Island Public Water Supply Scheme. Irish Water continue to work on this with Cork County Council but they are reminding those on that public water supply scheme in Whitty Island the boil water notice it remains in place. Want to know what's happening in Cork? You're in the right place. This is Cork Today 
on C103. As we discussed, Electric Ireland increasing its prices. Good news for VHI customers. They are going to be giving back money to their customers, but will other health insurers follow? We'll be discussing that before 11 with Dermot Good from TotalHealthCover.ie. But while many yesterday welcomed the measures announced to reform the leaving search, still the exams remain. And because now there's going to be an exam in fifth year as well, many feel that they will need still to turn to private grinds. But some feel that they can get ahead if they get grinds and achieve more points for college. Well, following the announcement on the Leaving Cert reform, Deputy McBarry did meet with Antishuk Michal Martin on this issue and he joins me. Good morning to you, Mick. Good morning to you, JP. And while many people have mixed views on the reform of the Leaving Cert, at least it's going in the right direction anyhow and subjects like drama is a good move. But still, people feel, you know, you will have to study for the main subjects, as we call them, and grinds will still play a part. And you feel that certain private companies and schools, they're exploiting students who have anxiety around the Leaving Cert, something we discussed big time on the show on Tuesday. Yeah, no question. I mean, students feel a high level of anxiety uh, given, A, the fact that they missed so much direct classroom teaching time as a result of COVID, uh, and B, given, you know, the huge obstacle or, you know, hurdle at least uh, that people need to uh, jump in order to pursue what they want to do, uh, particularly with uh, college courses. Um, And I think that, you know, the grind schools private grind schools never miss an opportunity to to make a book, in my view. Uh, and I think that they're uh, really stepping up this year. I mean, we have one grind school in, in, in Cork charging €50 Euro for uh, three hours revision, another charging €825 Euro for uh, the seven Leaving Cert courses, and Easter revision packages of €325 Euro, uh, being offered. And, and one that's you know, really stands out for me uh, is the grind school that puts an ad on their website uh, and says there will be no refunds um, uh, in in, in the event of absenteeism. So what are they saying here? That if a a student who's been brought to their door because of COVID anxiety gets COVID themselves, that they get no refund on this money, I mean, that would be totally uh, unacceptable in my view. And while the anxiety, I suppose, for the Leaving Cert was always there before COVID ever came along, uh, the issue that the, the monetary side of it, the money side of it, some families can afford this, others can't. And then are we creating an unfair society if a school that children are attending, if for some reason or another, people feel they will need extra help, those who can afford it will receive it and maybe go on to college because they can afford these grinds. I mean, we are creating an unfair society here when you could have two students who academically are very alike, but because one is coming from a maybe a rich family, you know, that they get the better chance in life. Yeah, there's no question um, that if you look at the um, access rates to third-level institutions um, from some of the leafy suburbs in Dublin, for example, you'll have 99, 100% of Leaving Cert students uh, who will attend. Uh, and then in working-class communities, and particularly the poorer working-class communities, uh, the levels are way down on that. Is that because, uh, you know, the sons and daughters of the affluent in our society are more intelligent? Of course not. Um, uh, it's far from being uh, the case. Um, so there is huge class discrimination built into uh, the education system and the way in which the Leaving Cert uh, uh, works. And there's also... 
discrimination built in against people who are not, say, I think the phrase that's used now is neurotypical, you know. Um, so um, th- there's big, big issues here. Now, the the government um, have made decisions in terms of the future of the Leaving Cert. I would say that from the get-go, they really only had three options. Option one would have been to leave things as was. Number two would be to have a mix of exams and assessments. And number three would be to scrap the Leaving Cert exam uh, and put some serious money into third level so that there's places there for people who want it. And you don't need a filter system uh, like the Leaving Cert is. Um, The first option was never really a runner because of the huge student protests over the last couple of years. Uh, I think that knocked that one on the head. So really the government had a choice of patching up the Leaving Cert uh, or of putting a, a new system in place with uh, open access uh, to third level and a place for those who want it uh, based on increased investment. And I think uh, I think they made the wrong choice. Now, th- th- there are things in the choice um, that are good. I mean, climate studies coming on the curriculum is good. Film studies coming on the curriculum is good. Uh, there should have been um, um, black history and traveler history uh, boosted. Uh, and there's still no objective sex education. But there are a couple of good uh, uh, changes there. But I wonder if they'll run into difficulty with it, because teachers uh, went and did the um, predicted grades. Um, they, they, they put themselves out um, because of the crisis uh, with COVID. Uh, and I think they feel that this new uh, system coming in, without any consultation whatsoever with them, uh, is abusing the goodwill that they've shown. I mean, are they going to be expected now to mark 40% of the Leaving Cert uh, without any increase in their paying conditions? Well, more uh, so what, we what heard, Mick, workers would do that? Uh, well, outside of that, the big reason that teachers were, especially in local, maybe rural areas, and indeed in city areas too, was they're marking their own students. But if somebody gets a mark they're not happy with, then you have parents going along to that teacher within the school or if they live locally to their home asking why did my son or daughter only receive this you had you know a play in marking the exam and that was another big issue that teachers are worried about yes this is a huge issue for teachers um uh, because the whole relationship with student uh, changes if this is not handled in the correct way uh, you go from being uh, a, a teacher uh, of your students to uh, an adjudicator of your students. Uh, and, you know, in the majority of cases, uh, parents react to that in an okay way. But in a minority of cases, without a doubt, uh, parents uh, can get onto the teacher's case and start giving them uh, pressure and a degree of grief. Uh, so teachers are, 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 are very right to be wary of that and, and they have direct experience of it. And very uh, finally, well. Mick, uh, just going back to your original point, I mean, you mentioned there regarding the points required for university and colleges and the pressure that does put on people. And the majority of countries across the world have similar uh, type of measures for people to go into college. But on the on the private colleges, I mean, are you looking for regulation on these colleges and how they operate so that it, there's a more fair system? I mean, what, what do you want to happen on, on what you raised with on teaching? And what did he say when he, when he looked at this? I mean, regulation is the only way really around it. These colleges even though it might be exploiting students, aren't doing anything illegal? Um, yeah, I, I, I think there is a case for uh, increased regulation. Uh, there is an element of the Wild West about the situation that we have uh, at the moment. Uh, but possibly a, a, a 
key to addressing it is for the state to provide extra resources to the schools. Uh, I think there would have to be agreement with teachers and it would have to be on a voluntary basis, but I know that some schools uh, do this already. Um, uh, and the idea of some extra tuition um, uh, free of charge uh, provided through the school system as an alternative to the grinds. Now, I would stress that that would have to be voluntary and with agreement uh, of uh, uh, teachers and there would have to be appropriate paying conditions. But that might be a way uh, of, of dealing with this kind of exploitation. I asked the Taoiseach two questions in one, really. One was about Leaving Cert reform and one was about the grind schools and he used up all his time de- dealing with uh, Leaving Cert reform. If I, if I could just very briefly before I leave you there, JP, can mm-hmm. I say a quick word? Uh, about yesterday's electricity price increases. Yeah, we just discussed it there, but your, your view on that briefly now in about 30 seconds. Yeah, I'll be very brief. Uh, I, I think it's scandalous that uh, Electric Ireland, which is part of the ESB, would be doing these massive price increases on electricity and gas when the ESB itself made €679 million Euro in profit last year. The government know the pain that the people are going through on these issues. Why are they standing idly by? They have to be put under pressure. And actually on that, because we were, I was asking Independent Deputy Michael Collins uh, regarding, he brought up about the dividends you mentioned there and the profits that ESB made were the parent company of Electric Ireland. He asked, and I was asking him, could that money made from dividends to the government and profits from the ESB be reinvested back into uh, the the services as they are, semi-state, and as the government are getting dividends? He asked the question, he was told no under an e-regulation. Uh, have you been told anything different or, 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 or what can be done? Uh, I think that the, the Irish government is not powerless on this. Um, there would be issues with the European Union, but sometimes you have to stand up uh, to what is being uh, laid down from there. The idea that uh, a state-owned Irish energy company is making super profits and at the same time bringing in unaffordable price hikes on people who are already struggling, that cannot be right. Uh, and I think the government uh, have to be put under pressure to look at this issue and to intervene. Well, hopefully they will for the moment. Mick, thanks for joining us. We'll uh, wait and see what happens with those private schools, if anything can be regulated uh, for that, or investment into our secondary schools so that we have a, a level playing field for all students and not a two-tier system which currently exists. Uh, thanks for raising that on the show thanks, this morning, JP. Mick. Uh, that is the Deputy Mick Barry there. Your views are welcome. I mean, is it unfair that if you have stu- two students in a classroom who are uh, quite the same when it comes to their academic level, that one could achieve more because their parents can afford to send them uh, for grinds? It's been happening for years, but should it be looked at now? Your views are welcome. 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. We mentioned the energy hikes there as well. Well, if you're a VHI customer, good news for you because they are going to be giving money back to their customers. We'll find out why next. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. State-owned health insurer VHI is due to reduce the cost of its premiums and give money back to its policyholders. In a time of increases that we've heard this morning from Electric Ireland, it is good news uh, to have reductions rather than increases. And health insurance expert Dermot Good of TotalHealthCover.ie joins me on this. Good morning to you, Dermot. Good morning, John Paul. Okay, some welcome news here, but let's discuss the decreases. Why are VHI doing this? Yeah, well, your listeners may recall, uh, John Paul, back at the start of the pandemic, um, VHI, well, all the insurance companies, but in particular VHI, they basically gave an undertaking that if they ended up paying out a lot less in claims than they budgeted for, 
that they would basically give some of that money back to members. So they had everybody, they were, all the insurance companies gave a claims rebate um, in mid-2020. VHI had a second one in January 2021, and now they've just announced a third one um, that will be basically paid out to members during May. Um, we were There were rumours circulating about this towards the end of last year. I suppose we, we were expecting it, but we weren't expecting the amounts that they've announced. And it is, look, it's, it's quite substantial. I mean, most people on mid-level plans stand to receive about 150 per adult, 50 per child. So for a family of two adults, two children, that's €400. Euro. And people on the higher plans then will get between 225 and 300 per adult. And even um, on the lower plans, it looks like people could get 75 per adult, 25 per child. So there's there's 200 there as well. It, it probably on some of the plans, John Paul, it probably equates to about maybe 10 to 12 percent of a rebate. And that will be paid. We understand everybody who is a member of EHI on the 1st of May will receive that payment sometime in the middle of May. So, yes, it's it's probably, look, any time an insurance company gives you money back, it, it is good news. And you mentioned the various plans there. I mean, will all policies under VHI, will they all, everybody see some type of rebate or is it just certain plans are going to get this? No, the good news is every member is going to get some level of rebate. Um, the higher price plans obviously will attract a higher rebate, um, which, you know, makes sense as well. Um but you do have to be an active member of VHI on the 1st of May. Now, there's two other things with this, John Paul. They've also announced a small premium reduction uh, coming in from the 1st of May onwards. So it'll, it'll affect members um, as they renew their policies with VHI. We understand the average figure is about 3%. It's too early yet that we, have, we haven't been able to analyze uh, this on a plan-by-plan basis. But look, that could give an extra saving of approximately €90. Euro to a family of two adults and two children, as well as the rebate. So the rebate will happen to every for everybody in May. The small reduction will be phased in on a renewal-by-renewal renewal basis on or after the 1st of May. Now, here's the risk with this. And, John Paul, you've heard me say this before. Some people who are on, like, bear in mind, 50% of people are on the wrong plans. And research shows that people in their 50s and 60s, older members on the older plans, are already overpaying by 30 to 40%, okay? And what happens is sometimes people, when they get these these rebates, um, they do nothing because they're getting money back. And I would encourage anybody who's still on those really old plans, anybody who's paying more than €1,800 Euro per adult, you know, you still need to review your cover. So, yes, you're going to get the rebate, but wouldn't it be good if you could also maybe reduce your premium by 500 per adult permanently by going on to a more up-to-date plan? So, I suppose... Don't get lulled into that, into that false sense of security because you're getting money back that your plan is still good value. For a lot of people, it's not. But look, this is good news for VHI members. And as well, John Paul, don't forget, Irish Life Health have already announced a small reduction on the 1st of April across all their plans. So they're, they're giving back the, the small reduction in the health insurance levy. That's going to save most adults around €40 Euro per adult. Um, Leia have announced a small reduction of between 3 and 5% on five of their plans from the 1st of April. So, look, the good news for all members, whenever we see this kind of activity where there's money being rebated and so forth, it just means that the, the, the radar, the forecast for the rest of the year is that there's likely to be little or no increases. Now, I, I, I always put a, a warning sign on that because, you know, there's always shocks around the corner. But for the moment, let's just say, it just looks like the days of double-digit price increases 
are going to stay behind us for the foreseeable future, which is positive. And while you mentioned Leah and Irish health, their Irish life health, the the reductions are good. Are they giving any rebates back like VHI here or, or is it just going to be reductions on their part? Um, at the moment, so what seems to be happening with Irish Life and with Leia Healthcare, so first of all, Irish Life have passed on a reduction from tomorrow for everybody on their plans and to do with the, with the reduction in the health insurance levy. Um, we're waiting to see if there's going to be any further announcements from the other insurers, John Paul, because I'm sure they're going to review their position in light of what BHI are doing. Um, but we've no definitive, let's just say, information on that. To be fair, the other insurance companies have indicated that rather than increasing rates, because there are still cost drivers in the system, there are still, the medical inflation is still running at 5 to 7%, a <coughs> bigger pardon. So they've indicated that rather than passing on those increases, there's likely to be no increases um, because, let's just say, of the surplus in claims. Um, so it looks like they might, mightn't be giving money back, but they mightn't be increasing their rates. But we don't know, will there be, will there be further announcements for the other insurance companies um, I saw something yesterday from Leia where they have they have stated that they are looking at possible member supports, but there's nothing definitive on that. We've no idea what that might look like. We've no idea if it'll even happen. And if it does, we've no idea of the amount. So that's just speculation at the moment. And of course, the reason for all of this is claims are lower. So they're giving back because there's not enough claims. And, and, and that's why the reductions are happening. And when we mentioned the reductions, the customers of VHI, I mean, how do they give those rebates, first of all, back? I mean, would that go into their accounts or would it come off the direct debits, uh, is asking Irene? Yeah, I, my understanding at the moment, John Paul, is that they're going to, if you pay by credit debit card, it will probably go right back onto, let's just say, the credit or debit card. If you pay by direct debit, they'll pay it back into your bank account for you. Otherwise, failing all of that, they'll simply send you a check. But, you know, everybody will be getting this from BHI in around the middle of May. If you don't receive it by then, you just need to contact them and they'll confirm exactly how they, they will make it available. So, um so yes, everybody will will get it then. Um, you know, so uh, another another let's just say six weeks to wait until we get that. And for many people, they would have renewed their policy with VHI maybe at the start of January, when usually there's a a big renewal at that time for the start of the year. Even though it's going to be May and it's only six five months into the year, will they still be getting some type of refund? They will. Anybody. So the good thing about this is that, in fairness, in terms of its simplicity. Anybody who is an active member of VHI on the 1st of May, whether they're renewing them or whether they already have a policy in place, they will be getting this rebate. Okay, um, so the start date doesn't make a difference. It isn't pro rata or anything. No, exactly. That's what they've advised is that everybody will be getting this depending on the plan that they have or whatever. So, um, look, it's, it's you, just going back to a point you made there, John Paul, I mean, people need to realise, though, whilst this is good, this is because of a reduction in claims. And that means that people are not able to access healthcare. So it's because operations have not been able to go ahead. And look, when you look at the numbers, if there's 1,600 people occupying beds in public hospitals with COVID or COVID-related issues, you know, that's 1,600 beds that are not available for the routine surgeries, the hip replacements and the routine day case procedures, diagnostics and so on. And that just means there's a lot of people maybe now who are going to have their treatment deferred or postponed um, or cancelled or whatever. So... You know, it's it's look. It's nice that people are getting money back, but we just need to remember the underlying cause of this is COVID related, and it is because um, let's just say those beds are now being taken up um, by by COVID patients. And VHI have indicated that in their press release that, like, whilst claims are down generally, 
um, even though we're seeing a big pickup in claims in the private hospitals. But they have indicated that in particular, claims are well down from the public hospitals. And they expect that trend to continue for the foreseeable future, you know, which is not surprising either. OK, well, Dermot, at least anyhow, for since energy is going up, that health insurance prices are going to stay down. So it will balance the books for a lot of households for the moment. Thanks for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thanks, uh, Dermot Good there from totalhealthcover.ie. And as he mentioned there about switching and either looking at different policies in your own uh, company with VHI or with Lair or Irish Life Health, you can check out his website, totalhealthcover.ie. Cork today with you until one, while Bernie takes your calls and comments on 0818 you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. JP in for Patricia until one. And Nick Richards with more of Cork's greatest hits. He's with you from one until four. Martino Dunne, who drive you home then from four here at C103. And a lot of calls and comments in on various issues. By the way, shortly though, we are going to be discussing an issue that we got calls on yesterday. A meeting had last night and it is now confirmed that the Cork and Kerry Munster Senior Football Championship semi-final game, that is now going to take place in Killarney following a meeting of the Munster Council last night but the Cork panel and indeed the Cork management of the football team are unhappy with this many wanted the game to be played in Cork in Parky Ring Parky Cueve unavailable due to concerts so it was down for Parky Ring but now it's now going to be played in Killarney so that that stadium can hold uh, more capacity than Parky Ring and your views are welcome. I mean, do you agree uh, with the Cork panel and management? Already there's a number of people in who say yes, they do agree with them, while others are saying does it make a difference where the game is being played? Anyhow, your views are welcome. We'll be discussing that shortly with our GAA correspondent, Finmar McCarthy, 0818103103 by phone. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And back on a number of calls and comments we have got, first of all, on the Dersey Island cable car. And Michael O'Sullivan in Castleton Bear on WhatsApp says Hi JP I love the way they are all scrambling to the airwaves this morning claiming the credit for the Jersey Island cable car replacement by ferry I want to make it very clear that I did make representation to Minister McEntee on Monday morning after consultation with Island Farmers a lady that I'm always assured of immediate attention from Delighted that the problem is solved I see no reason why the present cable car cannot run for another day or two until the ferry is in place and hope it will be a satisfactory uh, for islanders and tourists alike says Michael in Castleton Bear yeah that's a good point actually if I know they, they're earmarking that the uh, cable car stops tonight but if a ferry isn't found tomorrow morning and maybe there might be one for Saturday but at the moment it looks like it will for definitely be Monday before a ferry can run, which means there is no ferry to the island in from the mainland. But a uh, good point if you know if the, if the cable car is running at the moment, why stop it tonight? until a replacement is found for the ferry why not run it for tomorrow Saturday and Sunday uh, good point Michael in Castletown Bear on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and we discussed then with Deputy McBarry on fee paying schools that these private companies who will make money what he feels anyhow is they're making money out of students anxiety around the leaving search and those who were trying to get points for a certain college course or go to university that they feel they have to take grind for some subjects because that's the measures that they need to, to achieve uh, their course in uni and he feels that certain private grind schools and indeed companies are making money and playing into that anxiety around students and the leaving search well D on WhatsApp says good morning John Paul number one 
on this issue it doesn't say much about our current system that free education results in costly grinds if the system was changed adapted to meet all criteria the added pressure of extra grinds might be minimised how is this fair that students get higher points or those that get higher points get better prospects for the future while their friends might lose out due to their family income will they get brownie points for the lack of help when the papers are being corrected I don't think so it's a perplexing and unfair programme that continues to fail and suits the needs of all the price of the price of grinds often are rip-offs many are for a short time says D very true D and, and the price is, is one thing that McBarry is dealing with and, and asking them how they can be so high and they are playing into the anxiety around the leaving search. Mairead saying yes it's totally unfair the system in Ireland when it comes to education and indeed comes to schools. Grinds were always there. Grinds are around since the 80s and it was the elite that went on in life. They're the ones that could afford them they're the ones that went to uni, that went to college, etc. Because they could afford to achieve the extra tuition by way of education. What is needed though is more invested in our local public schools. Our teachers in local secondary schools do the best they can. Some even go above and beyond. Yes, you will have teachers, like in every profession, who will just go in and do the basic day's work. But they're not all like that and some of those teachers give everybody a bad name. But when it comes to secondary schools, from what I can see, there are some fantastic teachers who do a lot for the students outside of school time and outside of what they should be doing. But... Again, it's on their time. That is why more investment is needed into public schools uh, and not into this situation of parents then paying uh, private schools to fund them and indeed to educate their own child. Uh, Jimmy says, I never thought I'd agree with Mick Barry, but I do on this one. Uh, similar points to Murray, where he says public schools need investment, uh, but the public schools, they can't do everything. And that is why uh, people go and get grinds. But uh, Jimmy feels it is very unfair because Jimmy puts it the working class and he says I don't like using that term but it is the working class who lose out certain members of society can afford to get grinds and extra tuition and it's their children will be the ones who get on in life and also when a job interview comes up when a CV goes in when you have a certain school mentioned on that CV it could be a private grind school that as McBarry puts you get uh, tuition during Easter but once certain employers see this uh, they give that person an extra tick and they feel that they could do more when the person who went to the local public school could be every bit as good. That really annoys me, says Jimmy Bush. And Jimmy's main point is investment is needed and parents should not have to fork out huge sums of money so their child can go and get extra tuition. And on the energy costs and the energy prices that are ongoing up for Electric Ireland, a huge cost again, huge increases. And we when we heard Borgosh doing this, uh, wasn't it last, or earlier this month, everybody said other companies will follow and now Electric Ireland are. And a lot of people feel it's unfair uh, the fact that they are making huge profits, 
dividends being paid to the government, but that's not being sent back to the state uh, and sent back to the customer no, when money is being made at the top. Anyhow, on this, Jur says, I have a query regarding the €200 Euros payment towards electricity costs, which I believe was to be paid in March. I have just received my electric bill and there is no sign of payment. Well, on that, initially when they mentioned this in January, they were saying they would come in in March and April. Uh, but when the measures were going through government and going through to put this into law that they could actually, you know, put this in and and make this happen. Uh, It then came at the end of February that it would be April that the uh, €200 credit will hit your bills. So uh, for those of you who have received your bills in March, unfortunately, you will have not received the €200 credit. But the next time you get your bill, uh, so for you, Ger, if if, if it's a two-monthly bill, you probably receive your next one in May. You should then receive the €200 credit in May because they will start appearing on bills from April And again, it could be May or June before some people receive it. It all depends on the billing cycle. I would imagine for you, Gerard, it will be May. Uh, So if you haven't received your €200 credit as yet, you won't have. It'll be from April and then it could be May or June uh, before others will receive their €200 credit. But that is going to be on the way. Uh, Thank you for your text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. And John in Blackpool, if anybody can help John with this one, because he said maybe someone might know. His daughter uh, is thinking of replacing her windows. Now, she has a triple gla- or she wants to change them to triple glaze. Now, she lives in the city. She's paying a mortgage. And is she entitled to a grant? Well, I'm sure many people have a veil of some type of grant when you want to better insulate your homes and get those uh, triple glaze windows, as you mentioned there, John. Uh, I do know that the Sustainability Energy Authority of Ireland, the SEAI, I would advise her to turn to those uh, if she's online. She can just Google them and get information there or call them as well they do look after different schemes such as the Better Energy Warmer Home Scheme the Warmth and Wellbeing Scheme and there's a number of schemes including you know replacing your windows is included with that so she may qualify but it goes down to uh, everybody's uh, well-being, everybody's income, you know, where she's working, all of that. There's a lot more than just that it's one fits all. Uh, so I would advise her to contact them and they would have answers and they would know if she is entitled to this grant or if she is entitled to a grant, how much of the grant that she would be entitled to. But certainly uh, I would make contact with them or also Citizens Information. Uh, if you want to pop in or make an appointment uh, with any of the citizens information offices uh, isn't there one on South Mallow she's in the city so uh, maybe check in with them and they can tell her straight away as well if she's entitled to it uh, because it will depend on certain factors uh, and if, when you say she's paying a mortgage then she's working I presume maybe as well or if she's on benefits it depends on the benefits you are you are earning there as well so it really goes down to uh, one individual but hopefully John that will help her there you can pass that information on to her our lines are open on 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. On the way, we are going to discussing the venue change for the Cork and Kerry Munster Senior Football Championship semi-final. It's going to be played now in Killarney. The panel and management here in Cork not happy. Uh, and one text says, JP, this is no big deal. Cork supporters like going to Killarney and indeed they like going to Thurlis. They get the game back anyhow, don't they? Well, we'll discuss that next with our GAA 
correspondent Fimmer McCarthy. But all this week, we're giving you the chance to win with the Celtic Ross Hotel located in stunning Ross Carberry. And they are celebrating 25 years in business. And we've been giving away amazing prizes all week, including afternoon tea. We gave away Leisure Centre membership. We had dinner to give away yesterday. And today, how about this? A wild Atlantic getaway. This is a one night stay with dinner. And imagine on a day like today, uh, sitting outside the Celtic Ross, looking at the causeway, you know, be able to visit the Warren Beach nearby, Long Strand. Uh, go to Clonakilty, Ross Carberry or go to Skibbereen for a wander around while you can enjoy dinner later then in the Celtic Ross Hotel. Well, you could well win that because we're giving you a chance now to win. Uh, the trivia question that's all week, they've been based on events over the last 25 years. Here is today's question. In 2004, trams returned to the streets of Dublin for the first time in 55 years. But what is the new system called? What did they call that new system of trams in 2004 when they launched in Dublin? Do you know? If you think you know, text me the answer along with your name and where you are now to 0862103103 and you could be enjoying a wild Atlantic getaway, a one night stay with dinner at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry, celebrating 25 years of hospitality in Ross Carberry. See CelticRossHotel.com C103 Jobs with Monster Technological University. Enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with MTU.ie. O'Callaghan's Motors in Canturk require a parts and service advisor to join their sales team. You can contact them on 029-50035 or email service at o'callaghanmotors.com. Healthcare assistance are required for St. Gubnitz Nursing Home in Ballyagran. You can email Mora to stgubnitz at gmail.com. And the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen, they require front office supervisor and a night manager. Email your CV to accounts at westcorkhotel.ie These jobs and more online now just go to c103.ie forward slash job You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 2103 103 The Cork-Kerry clash in the Munster Senior Football Championship semi-final on May the 7th has now been switched to Killarney Munster Council made the decision at a meeting last night after concerns about the capacity at Parky Ring and Parky Cueve of course is unavailable because of upcoming concerts Throw-in will be now in Fitzgerald Stadium in Killarney and our GAA correspondent Fimber McCarthy joins me on this. Good morning to you, Fimber. Morning, KP. Now, mixed views on our texts and phones lines this morning regarding this one. I mean, first of all, uh, the Cork Football Panel and Management, their meeting, I think, is a little later today because they wanted this game for Cork. There was even a hashtag at one point running on Twitter saying Parky Ring or nothing. So uh, what will be the outcome of this? I mean, if they're meeting, do you think things will change or they're obviously not happy with the decision by the Munster Council? No, they're not happy because their their argument, and it's a fairly decent one, is that when this fixture was made, whenever the draws were made back in October, November, I'm not sure when exactly, it was flagged in well in advance that Parky Key wouldn't have, wouldn't be available, and the game was fixed for Parky Ring. And Cork's argument, the Cork footballers' argument, backed up by the executive of the board, is that the game should stay there. Obviously, the Munster Council have have other ideas, concerned about the capacity, and I suppose if you were to boil it down, it's probably a financial matter. 
That's what I was going to say. I mean, they obviously need to make money. Uh, and when you look at the capacity in Fitzgerald Stadium compared to Parky Ring, money can be made. Well, without a doubt. And the fact of the matter is that if you look at the, the contrasting uh, fortunes of the two teams at the minute, Kerry are going quite well and beaten well, last Sunday during the league final. Rock struggled to retain their place in Division 2, so there's a bit of momentum with Kerry football, which there always appears to be. We haven't won down in Kerry in a long, long time. So I think that the, they were probably expecting somewhere in the region over 20,000 in Killarney, which obviously you can't get in Parker in, but the top footballers are very, very annoyed at the decision to take the game from Parker in to maintain. It's a home venue for Cork and it should be played Parker in. And I agree with and I mean a lot of people are saying it doesn't make a difference where it is played for the game itself it's still going to be in a pitch uh, but is it the psyche that the fact that it was the home draw was what it was and now it's been changed yeah well as we all know look there's no need to go into the background but Cork and Kerry have a long standing agreement home and away and it's always been honoured and to be fair Kerry I'm not sure whether they have any input into this or not my understanding it's been driven by the officers by the officers once the council. Kerry have always honoured their commitments to Cork and there's a long-standing story of 1976 when the park opened there was a confusion the first day and there was moves made to take the if the match ended in a the draw there was moves to take it out of the park but Kerry stood first and thought wherever the match is we'll be here next Sunday so I think we, we should park that issue that Kerry are involved in this wherever the game I, from, from a Cork perspective we know Cork football is not going well at the minute the Cork footballers are really looking at let's get the game is in in. Let's get a full house, make it a competitive match with support behind us. But obviously, people have other ideas. And Cork and Kerry, like it will draw a crowd. People will go along to see this, regardless of of how the match will go. There's always a, a huge rivalry between both counties, and a lot of that is because there's so many people from both counties living in the counties, and we're so close, and especially in the border areas. But with the fact that as many people are saying it was a home draw like John in Roscommon who's originally from Roscommon he's not a Corkman he says but I am working here in Cork it was a Cork draw at a home in the draw so they should refuse to play in Killarney and Cork should boycott the game I mean is that something that could happen? I suppose it's a possibility we all know what happened with Kildare I think it was Kildare and Mayo a couple of years ago Kildare were drawn at home to Mayo the Crow Park decided because Newbridge wasn't suitable it wasn't going to be played there but Clear dug their heels in and gathered fair momentum when the game was played in Newbridge. The concern, I think, from the, from the council's point of view is that the capacity of, the par- of parking is somewhere around 11,000. Under safety regulations, that drops to 9,000, 9,200. But if there's some work carried out, it would bring it back to 11. But the council's argument is that even when attendances at the games between Cork and Kerry have dipped in the last number of years they will still get more than 11,000 but the argument that the Cork footballers and the Cork executive are putting up is this was known long time ago what the capacity of Parker Ring was it was never more than 11,000 so why now six weeks before the fixture should they decide to change the venue and if I read the letter that the Cork players sent to the executive and they clearly state that all their plans they've been planning or training basing their training around playing this game in in in, um, in park hearing. I know that looks like it's going to go out the window. Whether they'll boycott the match or not, JP, I'm not so sure. As you said in your intro there, they're, they're, I know they're training tonight because we're speaking to a member of the backroom team and they're probably going to discuss it. Will they take the step and say they're not going to Killarney? 
I'm not so sure, but I do know, I do know, they're very, very annoyed at what happened. And the bigger question than here is, there is concerts in Parky Cueve. Uh, if Parky Cueve, many are saying, for example, Nula on Texas saying, well, if Parky Cueve is left to be a GAA stadium, this would not be an issue. But then Parky Cueve needs to fund itself and these concerts bring in, bring in money as well then uh, for the stadium and the GAA. Oh yeah, look, exactly. I mean, the con- we all know that there's, a, there's a massive debt in Parky Cueve and, and games alone are not going to solve it and no matter how many ventures you have you do need the big concerts and the, the other problem here of course is that some of the concerts being held this year are ones that were deferred over the last two years over the pandemic and they had to be fitted in and honoured the, the, the commitment to the sales of tickets so that that's also an issue remember I, I think it's each year is there is first coming up but if you look at the master fixture plan for the Cork County Board, there's very few games of Parky Keep throughout the summer because of further contests down the line. So the, the, apart from the stadium not being available for Cork and Kerry, and remember the Cork Hurlers have to go to Turles in a couple of weeks' time similarly. There's also very few club games in the stadium. So we do need the money. You have to generate finance outside of income, outside of gate receipts. And this is the way the board are doing it. I mean, there's constant Cork Park as well, don't you? Yeah, um, yeah, it is a, it's a complex one for, for supporters. I mean, a lot of supporters are saying, and, and you'll know this yourself, they like travelling to Killarney for the Cork and Kerry game. It isn't an issue really for uh, supporters are texting in saying, you know, it won't make a difference to us. First of all, Mike says it doesn't matter where the Cork and Kerry game will be played. There's only going to be one result and that's a big win for Kerry. Who decided it should go to Killarney? Uh, it should be Cork or nowhere, says Mike. But then a number of people saying it doesn't make a difference. We enjoy travelling to Killarney for the game anyhow so for supporters I don't think this will be an issue and then we got a statement uh, Finbar from the Munster Council of the GEA and this is something you touched on first of all they say it's also that this game in Clarny it's expected that the game will form a double header uh, with a Munster ladies football game as well on the day would that play anything into the into the change? Look this is I, I saw that statement as well last night the GSP and where when the initial fixture was made, there was no mention of, of um, a Corkton Razor ladies football. I do understand that Cork and Limerick in a couple of weeks' time in hurling, there's a camogie match amongst the championship camogie match. And that's fine, that's grand, and it's great to see all sports being integrated into the stadium. But why throw in a Corkton? And I'm, I'm not, this is not anti ladies football or anything. Why not in the fact that there's a ladies, that there's a Corkton Razor when there was no mention of a Corkton Razor? when the original game was fixed. I think the big crux here for Cork is everybody knew when they were making these fixtures that the capacity of parkering was limited. So why then fix it for parkering and change it six weeks earlier? Why didn't they say at the start of the year when we knew the confidence, look lads, Cork and Kerry, attractive fixture, could we come to some sort of arrangement? Would you go to Killarney for another year and then re- 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 uh, we carry with our Cork two matches? That's the big issue with the car footballers. Why no? Why no? After, as I say, yeah. six weeks before the game. And no one knows it. the answer to that because the Munster Council no. haven't said this in any statement to us. All they say is what you mentioned there, that following on from this year's game in Killarney, the next two meetings of the county, of the both counties in the Munster Senior Football Championship will take place in Parky Cueve and they go back to a similar arrangement that was used during the redevelopment of Parky Cueve, which you touched on at the start of the interview. So that's as far as they are going. No one is saying why now are they changing their mind? I do presume like you said, it's it's due, due to money. Someone knows yeah. the more money can be made. 
And at the out, if you, I, I, I saw the statement last night when it came out, JP, and they do make a point at the in the early part in in the first couple of paragraphs about capacity and works mm-hmm. and all this and that. But they knew all this yeah. when they're making the original fixture. And if you go back to the, the county secretary's report at the convention, Kevin, the CEO, Kevin O'Donovan, he made the point that car football, we all know the position they're in. We will be welcoming Kerry to park here in with all guns blazing. So the board were behind. Everybody was aware that this game was going to be played in park here in when all of a sudden it's been changed. There's another issue. Cork and Warford are playing next Saturday night in the National Hurry League final in Turles. I don't know what the, what the attendance will be. Will it be 15,000, 20,000? We saw what the Cork Hurlers drew last Saturday night in Parky Heath. In a couple of weeks' time, Cork must go down to Walsh Park in a Munster Senior Hurling Championship match, where the capacity is not much more than what Park Erin is. And with all due respects to Walsh Park, Park there are three areas in, in Walsh Park where there's no terracing and limited limited barriers. And it's a, no, Waterford, to be fair to them, they were in, in the process of redeveloping the stadium when COVID hit and everything was put back. There are plans to develop the stadium. The point I'm going to make is, if it's a wet day in Walsh Park, whenever I, can't, I don't know the day the game is on, the terracing is going to be a pretty uncomfortable place. Whereas if it's a wet night in Park you're in, at least the terracing is comfortable. The, point, the other point I'm making about this is, Cork and Waterford in Hurling is a very attractive fixture right now. The capacity of Walsh Park would, would be less, would not much more than Park you're in. So why then is Cork and Kerry being moved out of Park you're in and Cork and Waterford being left in Walsh Park? Similar issues. Yeah, and there's no mention of that game as yet, no anyhow, unless they are going to do a, a, a short-term review like they have done here. It, 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 if, if they're being consistent, they should, but they're obviously not going to. I mean, the first year of the round robin, because Walsh Park was deemed unsuitable, Warford, to be fair to them now, had no home game. They had to play all the games out of Walsh Park. They did some remedial works and bring it up to improve the, the, the stadium somewhat. And in the second year of the round robin, they had games there, and I was at a couple of them. But the reality is, it the Waterford are not being punished. The Waterford hurlers are not being punished by losing a home game like the Cork footballers, and I think that's the issue that that's vexing the Cork footballers. Yeah. We know whether they they have a meeting tonight or training. Whether they'll decide to take it further or not, I'm not for sure. You I don't know. That, well, you mentioned what happened with Kildare and Mayo. A lot of people are picking you up on that. And I suppose, Finbar, you said you do agree with the Cork panel and management on their stance with this change in venue. Uh, should they boycott the game? <sighs> that, that's a $64,000 question. Um, what are they going, if they boycott the game, what are the ramifications? If we play the game. We are on this thing otherwise. Carry our hot favourites to win. If we lose, we're into the the, the, the wrong Robins here, the, the qualifier series of the All Ireland Football Championship. If we don't play the game and boycott decide not to play, what will the punishment be then? Will we be out playing the qualifiers without having played Kerry or will we be removed from the championship? That could be an issue as well. So we have to wait and see what the GA could do if Cork decides to boycott this one. It, it, that that would be the outcome. Are they better off, or are they better off going to Clarny, or are they even worse if they don't go to Clarny? There's lots of view out there, JP, that this this Cork team is in the process of being re- redeveloped for the one to part fun. It's a very young team, a lot of newcomers, and there is a view out there that okay, 
we should go to Killarney this year in 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 on the back on the basis that in the next two years the team will be gain more experience, improve as it goes on with another couple of league campaigns behind them, and you'd have the next two games against Kerry if we're drawn against them. Then in Parky Keep might have a better chance of winning. People say we have no chance Killarney or Parky Ring this year, wherever we play. Look, I do accept Kerry are strong favourites, but on any given day anything can happen. And just one other point. Mm-hmm. Two, 2000, I think it's either 2000, 2013 or 14, I think, Cork played Dublin in an All-Ireland hurling qualifier in Parky Ring. But Saturday evening, looking up to win the same night, I think there was somewhere around 9, 10, 11 toes at the match. I'm not sure the exact figure. And there was no issues then. Why not? Yeah, well, I think that's the, as you say, that's that's the vex that's in the, the Cork campus. Why now? Why just a few weeks out are they changing their decision? Yeah. Particularly, I mean, the, the, the structure of the stadium hasn't changed since the draw was made. So, that, that's Cork's argument. And I'm, I know I'm repeating myself. When the draw was made, Parkery was not available and the match was fixed for Parkery. What has changed since the draw was made to know to take the game out of Parkery? That is the argument of Cork footballers supported by the executives of the board are making. Well, we'll wait and see what the outcome is tonight. As we mentioned, the panel and management having their meetings. We'll see if they'll go to Killarney or if they'll boycott the game and put it up to the GAA and say, don't do this again. We'll wait and see for the moment, Fimber. Uh, we could be chatting tomorrow, Yesha. Thanks for joining us on the programme oh, this morning. Oh, you could be, Jan. No problem. Take Thank care. You. Uh, that's our GAA correspondent, Fimber McCarthy, and we'll wait and see what the panel and indeed the management decide tonight on that. Uh, a lot of views coming in. First of all, John says, whatever Cork and Kerry, wherever they play, Kerry will beat them and good because they'll be laughing at us going home, uh, says John. While another John says, I think it's a joke that millions are spent on a stadium for GAA matches. The same as Crow Park GAA stadiums. They should be for GAA matches only. It's all coming down to a money-making racket. While Dennis says, it won't make a difference if it was played in the moon. We have no hope, says Dennis. The text from WhatsApp 0862 103 uh, you can call Bernie with your comments uh, to 0818-103-103. On the way next, we'll be checking in with Garda Shikona for our Garda Fall this week. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. And time for this week's Garda Fall. I'm joined by Sergeant Trina O'Mahony from Skibbereen Garda Station. Good morning to you, Trina. Good morning, JP. And we'll start this week with crime and criminal damage. And this is where Gardaí and Skibbereen, first of all, are investigating an incident in the Bridge Street area of Skibbereen. That's right, JP. Uh, Sometime between 2am and 11am on the morning of the 18th of March 2022, that incident occurred. A local resident uh, woke and discovered to find a window of their vehicle, which was parked in front of their home, had been smashed overnight. Um, and obviously I would appreciate if anyone saw or heard anything suspicious in the area during that time frame, uh, if they could contact us here at Skibbereen Guard Station. And then from Skibbereen to Bandon, where Gardaí are also investigating criminal damage, and this was to a vehicle which was parked on South Main Street in Bandon. That's correct, JP. Um, that incident occurred sometime between 6 and 11pm on the 24th of March last and during that incident, the wing mirror on the passenger side of the vehicle, which was parked closer to the footpath, uh, became damaged. So if anyone recalls seeing anything in that area on that evening between that time frame, uh, the Guardian at Bandon would love to hear from you. OK, and this next theft, you would imagine someone would have seen this, not easily uh, and not easy to steal pallets of fertiliser, but they were stolen. And this is at Carrigan Emma between McCroom and Mill Street. 
That's correct, JP. During that incident, two pallets of fertiliser were actually stolen. These would have a value of somewhere around €3,000. So it's it's a big loss for the the victim of that crime. This occurred sometime between 6pm on Tuesday the 29th of March, just Tuesday just gone, and 8.30am on the morning of Wednesday the 30th of March. Um, I suppose it would have taken a bit of time to get those items loaded onto a getaway transport vehicle and also I suppose the vehicle would have been sizable enough to carry that quantity of fertiliser. So it is possible it occurred in daylight and someone passing may have observed something and not realised it to be suspicious. Um, but indeed, if anyone saw anything or heard anything in that area during that time, the Gardaí from McCrew would be grateful to get a call from you. Yeah, you'd have think or thought anyhow someone would have seen something, not the easiest thing to steal. Uh, but I suppose in those areas where you mentioned there, maybe a rural area, so if anybody has anything, just to kind of contact with Gardaí and McCroom. And you want exactly. a message here for motorcyclists, and this is ahead of a campaign that's going to launch through the month of April. That's correct. Um, my colleagues in the Garda National Roads Policing Bureau have launched a campaign. Um, it's ongoing since the 26th of March and it will run through the month of April. And it's a campaign specifically targeted at raising awareness amongst motorcyclists of their vulnerability on our roads and to appeal to them to ensure that all uh, relevant safety precautions are being taken by them when they're, they're out uh, travelling on the roads. Um, tragically, 10 motorcyclists have been fatally injured so far this year. That's uh, one in four of all road deaths that have occurred so far this year have been motorcyclists. So I suppose there's two key messages here. One, to have an awareness of that. Um, two, the, the key messages, I suppose, are to reduce your speed, ease off the throttle and be aware that speeding is a factor in over a third of all motorcyclist fatality fatalities, sorry, on our roads. And also, you can reduce your vulnerability by taking some simple steps, such as wearing the appropriate personal protective equipment and high visibility clothing to make yourself visible to other road users as well when you're out and about. And something we want to discuss regarding phone fraud, and we actually spoke to a person, this actually happened to this person on their mobile smartphone, and it's where the fraudsters can ring you, but they more or less tell you to download an app, and some people actually do download this app, I think it's called TeamViewer, but then that gives the fraudster access to your smartphone, and they can get access to banks, to anything that's on your phone. Exactly, that's exactly it, JP, and like your caller, we have had a number of reports of this nature in the last number of days also. Um, unfortunately, when the, the caller receives the call and initially is you know, led into a false sense of security, in a lot of cases, believing that the caller is actually genuine, has downloaded the app. Um, and then in one of the cases we dealt with, the, the caller, the receiver of the call, should I say, um, became suspicious when they were asked to provide a photograph of identification and then details of, of bank details. Um, what really led them to be suspicious was the realisation that the person that they were on the phone to could actually see when they were trying to take a photograph of their identification. So they have full control, essentially, of, of your phone. Um, the more And the more you engage, the more access that you're kind of providing them, the more information that you're giving back. So I suppose in that scenario, again, I really, really can't emphasise enough to the listeners to be really on your guard around unsolicited phone calls from anyone. If they are in any way suspicious to you, 
um, just disengage the phone call and don't download any apps at the request of, of any unsolicited callers. Don't provide any of your personal details. Don't provide, you know, copies of your identification and absolutely never, ever provide, um, you know, any details, PIN numbers, bank details of, or anything like that. Yeah, and anybody ringing from a bank, if they are ringing you or any company, they'll never ask you to download an app onto your phones. Just don't do it. Don't download no, an app because absolutely. that's what's happening. They're, they're getting access then uh, exactly. to your mobile phone. And while the weather is good and people are out enjoying themselves, one thing that we always notice from the summer onwards on Gardafile is the fact that we have cars broken into, parked outside beaches, parked at walkways. And you want to remind people just to look after their property and be mindful that your car is locked also. Exactly, that's exactly right. Um, again, as as you said, people are utilising the tourist amenities a lot more. They're parking in public car parks, and I suppose the, the key message here is don't leave items of value in your car at all if you can. Um, if you have to leave something in your car, put it into a locked boot. Do not leave it visible. Um, but bring v- valuable items with you or just leave them at home and where they're, they're really unvulnerable um, or less vulnerable, should I say. Unfortunately, as as you know, opportunistic criminals do target those locations and this type of crime does tend to increase as the, the weather improves and the days get longer. Um, I would say, sorry, JP, of course, the, the advice goes for all locations and we have in the past seen a trend amongst the vehicle owners, particularly while cars are parked outside their own homes, uh, people tend to forget to lock them at times and this has... Um, had a direct impact in terms of making those vehicles more vulnerable to opportunistic and, you know, organised criminals as well. So no matter where your car is parked, make sure it's locked. And again, don't leave items of value in the car if at all possible and leave them out of sight, locked into the boot if it's absolutely necessary to leave them there. And very finally, Trina, you just want to mention it's that time of the year for firearm certificate renewals. That's right. Um, A large volume of those licensed firearm certificate holders will be receiving uh, renewal notices and have been doing so, I've no doubt, over the last number of months. So for those listeners who are holders, um, you will receive a letter three months ahead of the expiry of your existing firearms licence and I would appeal to them to just get the form into your local guard station as soon as possible in order to prevent any delay or risking a period where the firearm goes unlicensed. Bring your application form fully completed along with your uh, current passport photograph and a form of identification where any member of the Gardaí will be able to take it from you and pro- commence the processing of it. Um, and I suppose just be aware that in some cases where there may have been changes since your last application, you know, checks may be required that might make the, the application process that little bit longer. So the sooner you get it into us, the better. If there's any um, anything unclear or you want to have, you know, if you have any queries, do contact your local guard station and we'll endeavour to assist you as best you can. And once the renewal of your firearm has been authorised, that's one other thing to be aware of, that the applicant will receive a letter to let them know it's been authorised and invite them to make payment. So it's important at that point that the payment is made within the time frame on that letter, um, at which point then you'll receive your renewed certificate. Okay, Trina, well, thank you for that and thanks for joining us uh, this morning on the programme.
You're very welcome, Jamie. Take care. Thank you. Take that care. is Sergeant Trina O'Mahony joining us this morning from Skibbereen Garda Station with this week's Garda File. Mm-hmm. Cork today, JP in for Patricia until one. And Bernie taking your views on 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And they're the same numbers. If you have questions for Jane, our vet, if you have a pet question, get those into us as well. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will be along after 12.30 answering all your pet questions this afternoon but a lot of calls and comments in on various issues uh, before we get to those though all this week we are giving you a chance to win with the Celtic Ross Hotel located in stunning Ross Carberry and they are celebrating 25 years in business we've been giving away amazing prizes across the week including afternoon tea leisure centre membership dinner and overnight stays with thanks to the Celtic Ross Hotel celebrating 25 years of hospitality in Ross Carberry see Celtic rosshotel.com now and to win those prizes all week we're giving you trivia questions based on events over the last 25 years and today's was in 2004 trams returned to the streets of Dublin for the first time in 55 years but what is and what was uh, at the time the new system called we still call it the same name today what is that new tram system in Dublin called the majority of people getting uh, the correct answer some people said the dart but no not the dart the answer was the Lewis and well done to Michelle Hoare from uh, Morn Abbey you're heading along for a wild Atlantic getaway one night stay with a dinner at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry so Michelle and Morn Abbey enjoy that you'll have a fantastic break there at the hotel and tomorrow we'll have another giveaway we'll have a taste the Real West Cork which is a two night stay with dinner on one of the nights at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry that is tomorrow but today's prize going to Michelle and enjoy your one night stay with the dinner with thanks to the Celtic Ross Hotel celebrating 25 years of hospitality in Ross Carberry see CelticRossHotel.com and again more ways to win tomorrow here on the programme now getting back to our conversation before midday with our GA correspondent Femme McCarthy on the situation regarding Regarding the Cork and Kerry Munster Senior Football Championship semi-final game now going to take place in Killarney and this is following a meeting by the Munster Council last night. Uh, the Cork panel and management are unhappy with this. They want the game to be played in Cork as was agreed in the draw but a lot of people asking uh, should they boycott like what was happening with the situation with Kildare and Mayo a few years ago well uh, a lot of uh, commentary in on this first of all hi John Paul sure what's to say the Cork County Board won't have more concerts fixed for the next few years so Killarney could have more Cork fans spending their money there and what about the Newbridge situation at the time where it was nowhere uh, Newbridge or nowhere that was trending at that time and Cork this person says should dig in and not concede home advice advantage if they have any chance of beating Kerry says this person on WhatsApp also uh, this person says they're a Kerry supporter and they say uh, when you talk about Kerry taking on Cork the Cork County Board is more worried about concerts than their GAA teams so I see it being a Cork problem it's Cork's own problem that this has happened as this is a new pitch and what works have been done at the moment they've been done to sort out the concerts and the works I 
presumably mean in Park Cueve, and they are being done and the works afterwards will be done to put the pitch back to the uh, state that it should be for a GEA match following those concerts so that's the works they mean uh, but according to this Kerry supporter it's Cork's own problem uh, they're more worried about the concerts in their main venue than they are their GAA teams Another texter saying Cork should stop acting like babies and stop complaining. This complaining is the start of the excuses for when they are beaten, says that texter. While Dennis is in Castle Magnar and Dennis says he is delighted to be going to Killarney. It's a great venue. It's a lot better than going to Parky Ring or indeed Parky Cueve where there is no parking and that causes a problem then when you are trying to locate some place to park your car. There is no hope of winning against Kerry anyway, says Dennis in Castle Magnar. While Sean says, hi JP, the problem about the venue for the Munster semi-final is caused by a thing called greed. And the GAA could not leave the Ed Sheeran event money go. That is it in a nutshell. They're making more money from Ed Sheeran, says Sean. While Julia saying very similar to Sean, but goes on to say that they'll make money from Ed Sheeran. And they'll also know they'll make a lot more money when the match is being held in Fitzgerald Stadium in Killarney with more people going through the gates. Uh, some of your comments regarding that Cork and Kerry Munster Senior Football Championship semi-final game now in Killarney. And the meeting tonight will be interesting between the Cork panel and management. They say they are unhappy. They want the game to be played in Cork. It now won't be. And will they decide, or what will they decide? Well, we'll know later on this evening. Uh, will they boycott or not? That is the question. And we'll have to find out. Uh, many feel they won't and they'll just get on with it. But we'll see if they'll stand over that hashtag parky ring or nothing. We'll have to wait and see on that. Your views are welcome. 0818103103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And just on something that was mentioned earlier on in our news service as well, and this is going back to an email I have here. And it's we spoke on Tuesday show and it was in relation to what the community in the Blackwater region are doing in the Fermoy area and in the Mitchellstown area as well. And they're, what they were, they were having meetings so that they could plan ahead for the influx of refugees who are fleeing Ukraine because of the war in that country. And everybody is getting organised because they want their community to be ready to deal with extra people in and about their areas and they were setting up a hub well they are trying to set up a hub in Fermoy whereby when Ukrainians arrive in Fermoy that they can go to this premises and they can talk to people uh, first of all about you know certain things like maybe accessing a job or uh, getting to know the area and they are hoping also that members of the Ukrainian community already living here in Cork and the, those from Eastern European countries who are living in the Fermoy area that they will help out with the culture and language barriers and become part of this hub. Uh, so that's what they're working on, planning ahead, because uh, the, no one knows the exact breakdown, but a number of families in Cork have uh, opened their homes and will be opening their homes to those refugees. Well, on that, one texter here on WhatsApp says, JP, I had to send you this WhatsApp because I heard Michal Martin speak this morning on two issues. First of all, we'll deal with COVID restrictions. And this person says, I never knew that apart from being a teacher, that he's also a medical professional who knows more than all these professionals that are calling for restrictions. Uh, he is looking at the whole situation at the moment regarding the country. And 
No, no mention of anything going back regarding COVID restrictions. Well, this is what was also said by the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly and he is saying there's been no advice from senior health officials to reimpose COVID restrictions according to the Health Minister and the Irish Association of Emergency Medicine. They, along with a number of unions, are calling for the return of mandatory mask wearing and working from home. But there is no plans to reintroduce these restrictions. That is coming from Stephen Donnelly, the Health Minister, and now also from Michal Martin on Taoiseach. Uh, with this WhatsApp, goes on to say that's one issue. Then the second thing I heard him talk about was uh, the situation in Ukraine and he was speaking about President Zelensky. Now, I didn't know that he could translate for this president, said this person on WhatsApp, who quite clearly stated that he did not think we, Ireland as a country, were doing enough for Ukraine. I'm sure his speeches are pretty well thought out and he did mean what he said. And then Michal Martin, while he makes every excuse in the book, but it is what it is, uh, President Zelensky did say that about Ireland. We are a neutral country and having been occupied ourselves, oh no one, nothing. So we did what we did and we are doing what we are doing out of the goodness of our heart. And for everybody talking of what the president is saying in Ukraine and what people disagree or not disagree with, get over yourselves, says this person on WhatsApp in relation to what Michal Martin, the two issues he spoke about this morning within the news services and on the issue of mask wearing we did hear from that nurse yesterday well the friend's nurse who was telling us her story of the work that she is doing within a hospital and what they are seeing within city hospitals more so uh, with increasing in COVID cases, many people coming in, uh, you know, suffering because of COVID. Those then within the hospital who did not have COVID are then picking up COVID and everybody goes into isolation. It's putting a huge pressure on services within the hospital and on staff. And that nurse is now leaving the health service because she can't deal with the way that patients are being treated due to the lack of services and indeed the burnout that she has. But just on the Ukraine issue again for one moment, I have an email here from John in Blackpool who says, we are 1% of the EU population. On estimate of 4 million people crossing borders, Ireland intake of refugees would be 2% of the EU intake. Some information now coming out seems to appear the number leaving Ukraine will actually be less than that. So it could be pushed up for Ireland of a 3% of an intake. Yet we talk about 80,000, a number the government dreamed up, Furthermore, after World War II in England, many people lived in wooden homes for three to five years. Eventually, the Irish provided a lot of labour for the replacement of housing stock in the UK. Today, it might make more sense to provide a lot of such of this accommodation in the likes of Poland and Romania instead of dragging people from the far east of Europe to the extreme west. Of course, we can make a financial contribution to this. Also, we are not a traditionally wealthy or indeed powerful country like Italy, Germany, the Netherlands, Austria or Sweden. So should we be more realistic? Read the numbers arriving here into Ireland, asks 
John in Blackpool by email to Cork today at c103.ie and as John mentions that an interesting article today in the Times newspaper this is the Times UK out of London and they're writing that officials are urgently investigating claims that Ukrainian refugees have ended up homeless after resorting to using Ireland as a backdoor into Britain to avoid the stringent visa checks that they have in the UK. Now, yesterday, Boris Johnson, he defended his decision to require all Ukrainians to pass security checks before entering the UK, insisting there had been several cases of what he says people coming from the war zone who may not be entirely who they are, they say. That's what Boris Johnson was saying. So basically what he means is people are coming into the UK and saying who they are, but they're not who they are. Uh, The decision was criticised by Bill Wigan, a senior Conservative MP, who contrasted the security checks on Ukrainian refugees with record numbers of migrants who are turning up in rubber boats across the channel. And then in contrast with this, Michal Martian, our our own Taoiseach, has said uh, that here that we would prioritise the humanitarian response over national security security concerns uh, but the local government association uh, they believe that Ireland's free visa route has led to Ukrainians using it as a backdoor into the UK and then that has led to refugees being left without accommodation that article today in the Times UK edition and the Times which is published in London uh, the UK Times and not the Irish Times but the the UK Times in case you're getting confused uh, it's published in that paper today and the UK are are really Boris Johnson is going to check all the required checks that are needed uh, for those entering the UK from Ukraine while uh, Ireland is not but they are blaming more or less the Irish uh, which they feel many Ukrainians are using Ireland as a visa-free route into the UK. Just some uh, of the commentary we got and some of the news items in regards to what is happening at the moment. But I think overall, the majority of us anyhow do agree that we do need to help those on a humanitarian level that are fleeing the war from Ukraine and many communities are doing that here in Ireland. Your thoughts are welcome. You can email across the afternoon. Cork today at c103.ie. Your pet questions are welcome for Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. Call Bernie now with those to 0818103103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And the Premier League Live, it's back this Saturday on c103.ie with Trevor Welch, powered by Talk Sport. We'll bring you live coverage of Liverpool versus Watford at 12.30. Chelsea taking on Brentford at 3 and Manchester United taking on Leicester City at 5.30. The Premier League Live online with now. Your sport on your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you with now. Listen Saturdays on the C103 app or go to c103.ie. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. St Mary's Secondary School in Mallow. Transition year students there. They're going to hold a fashion show. That's going ahead tonight. And it starts at 7.45 in the school hall. Tickets are available from the school. Kildallery Community Development. They're holding their weekly lot of draw in the community office this evening at 4 o'clock. And the jackpot is €2,800. And Ahakira Drama Group. They present the play Drinking Habits in Clondrohod Community Centre. That's on tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Tickets are on sale 
locally or on the door at the night and West Cork Grow Remote monthly coffee events that's taking place at 11am and it's on tomorrow morning at Ludgate Hub in Skibbereen or indeed virtually you can register through Eventbrite everybody is welcome to take part Cork today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 103. And following the email there from John in Blackpool on Ukrainian refugees and the amounts, uh, and I suppose the amount of people fleeing war uh, from there, and then the article from the Times UK on what the UK feel is happening, uh, that those from Ukraine are using Ireland as a backdoor uh, to get into the UK. And then a lot of people, unfortunately, are ending up uh, homeless in the UK uh, because of they're using Ireland's visa-free uh, door entry, as they're calling it, in the UK. And they're using Ireland as a backdoor in. Well, on that, a number of people are reacting. First of all, uh, John is in Cove. He says, yes, the refugees coming here, it seems to be open borders for everyone. No checks to leave everybody in. Now, we have a very good social welfare system here in this country, but then I can see, he says, what people are asking questions. How come our own people are homeless with children and then refugees are being welcomed to this country? While Mary is in Manway and she feels the COVID search for travel should not have been scrapped. Anyone can come into this country now and with refugees coming into the country it's putting too much of a strain on the health service and the housing system here in Ireland. It is going to cause a bad feeling among the ordinary Irish people who have been on the housing list forever. Uh, it's not going to be good for the whole country, feels Mary in Dunmanway. While then Jessica saying, I can totally understand people's views on what is happening, but I do think we need to separate the war from Ireland's issues here. I agree with that person that sent you a WhatsApp yesterday that we need to separate these issues. Yes, we have a lot of problems in this country, but we can't blame those coming into this country for our problems. We have a housing problem. We have a healthcare problem problem and indeed problems within our education system as well but this is not the fault of those who are coming into this country. We do, I think everybody would agree, need to welcome those coming in here from Ukraine with open arms but overall JP I feel all your listeners agree with this. There is no one questioning the humanitarian side of what we are doing but I do understand people questioning the monetary and indeed the services we can provide. I do hope our politicians who are paid for this are monitoring this, are listening to the people and are looking after the future of the country when it comes to these needs. Uh, But overall, I do hope listeners understand, says Jessica, the reason why these people are fleeing their own country to come here and that they will be treated with respect. But Jessica again says she understands why people will be worried about the financial state of the country and if we can cope with this. Uh, Some of your views on uh, 0818103103 to Bernie. Same number for pet questions for Jane who will be joining us very shortly our vet on the programme of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. If you have a question for Jane, if there's a pet in your house, you're not sure what's going on with that pet, well, uh, Jane might have these answers for you. You can text or WhatsApp also to 0862103103. And a person on WhatsApp towards the end of the show yesterday sent this and we didn't get to it in time, but this story, it's on c103.ie also. And I'm sure a lot of you would 
would have seen this across the weekend on social media. It's an Irish hotel. They responded uh, to a picture that was put up online after they charged a total of €49.50 uh, on a receipt. And this was for three scones and three teas or coffees. And there was then a charge, which is like a tip, of four fifty included in the bill. Now, this was for a five-star luxury hotel and people were giving out about the fact that, you know, it was it was a, a huge price for tea and scones paying €49.50 and people felt it was a rip-off. Well, the establishment, I don't know, it is a five-star luxury hotel so people were quick to come back and say that, you know, you are paying for, for where you're going but they everybody would admit it's quite dear and uh, it sparked a debate about the price of the items. Uh, but interesting that while the issue has been raised on the cost of uh, tea and scones, paying €49.50 for three scones and three teas or coffees, uh, one person says, this is from Andy, who says, OK, I can understand people not happy and giving out about the price. But you don't go to a five-star hotel get items like this. You're not charged for the taste or the look of those scones or teas. You're charged for your surroundings. You're charged for the service. You're charged for the way you're treated. You're charged for the way the hotel looks and the type of establishment you have entered into. Also, look at those scones. More than likely, freshly made with local produce. Uh, That was Andy's claim. And the hotel in question, it was the Cashel Palace Hotel in County Tipperary. And they came back and they said that the hotel charges €5 for a pot of tea and coffee with a complimentary refill if desired and €10 for three freshly made scones per serving. And they have gone on to say they do use local produce. Uh, The cream is from Hayes' Farm in Tumoy Boris and they use the butter from from, uh, Glen Illen Farm and then they use a choice of jams from various parts of their region. So while people were, I suppose, giving all about the price of it, would you agree with Andy whereby you could go to a cafe uh, maybe nearby which isn't a five star resort and pay cheaper but if you go to a five star resort or if you go to a place like that in Tipperary who are using freshly made scones and local produce and you're paying for the experience more for the scone and indeed the tea or coffee. Uh, If you agree with Andy on that or not, that was his view. And thanks to that person on WhatsApp who sent us that story in yesterday. And something else that we'll be discussing tomorrow on the show and be interested to see your views on this. We won't get to it today now, but this will be for tomorrow's show. And it's regarding uh, the single-use cups. So when we all go along to our local cafe or if you go to your local supermarket and you know the way uh, that you would have your coffee if it's in a plastic cup, well, you'd be charged now for that plastic cup. The charge could be up to 20 cents for packaging and containers. This is under government legislation that was being discussed yesterday in the Dáil and they also have permission to push that levy on certain plastic items. So it won't just be on the coffee cups, it'll be on other items also. As I say, we will discuss this in more detail tomorrow, but love to hear your views overnight on that. You can email Cork Today at C103.ie This then is also going to allow local authorities to use CCTV to catch illegal dumpers and why is that important? Because we've discussed that before uh, so many times that CCTV has been put up but people complain that they don't want their rights infringed with because they feel that CCTV is infringing on their rights and their privacy but now uh, this new law that is going through at the moment would allow CCTV to catch illegal dumpers 
and it was Independent TD and the former Environment Minister uh, Dennis Nocton he initially got this debate underway and he says certainly plastic items should be banned um, he was speaking yesterday to our newsroom on that when the debate got underway but we'll discuss it tomorrow on the programme and your views are welcome you can email Cork today at c103.ie and just to mention uh, that myself and the C103 Street Fleet this Friday we are going to be broadcasting live from the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry for the West Cork Sports Star Awards this will be broadcast on C103 just across West Cork only uh, we'll be there live from 7pm we'll be meeting some of the monthly award winners they're a fantastic award scheme run with the Celtic Ross Hotel C103 and the Southern Star newspaper and the award schemes uh, a majority of these people are young uh, young people you know providing entertainment by way of sport but also competing in sports on a local level Olympians national level but it's great to see everybody in one room and to acknowledge the work that they have done over the last year so you can join us this Friday from 7pm for the West Cork Sports Star Awards live from the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry on C103 across West Cork only Eric Griffin will continue with C103 anthems in the rest of the county at 7pm but I'll be live along with the sports stars from 7pm at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry tomorrow evening and we look forward to that and live from 7pm always a great evening but it's your pack questions are welcome Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us next Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. And just to mention two events. First of all, bingo in Bandon GAA Club is on tonight at 9pm. And can you let people know that the Broom Hill Vintage Club in Coachford, they're having their upcoming classic and vintage car and tractor run. And the new date for this is on Sunday, April the 10th, leaving from Coachford at 12 noon. And you can register there from 10.30am on Sunday, April the 10th. Now, your pet questions are welcome for Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. A very good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, John Paul. And a lot of questions in. Let's get straight into them. First of all, uh, this is from Katrina in Carrigtool. Her cat has had kittens in the last few days, but she wants to know how can she tell if her cat is producing milk for her kittens? Okay, so this is an interesting one. Um, in new mothers, uh, a kind of a cascade of hormones that happen around the time that they have kittens uh, signals to the breast tissue to let down milk, essentially. So you'll probably notice that the kind of the breast area underneath the belly um, kind of running from the back of the belly down near the back legs right up to the front of the chest um, is, is where they would produce milk from, from the teeth there. So you may have noticed that it may have become a little bit more bigger and more prominent than usual, um, particularly in the last week or so. And it's quite likely if that's the case that there may be milk there. Now, I suppose the things that you need to watch for is to make sure that the kittens are kind of latching on. So kind of finding the teats and feeding and kind of contentedly, you know, having a drink there for a wee while and that the kittens seem to be lively and thriving in themselves. Um, it is possible, I suppose, it, it's, it's a little bit more of a, a difficult skill, but if, if you do gently kind of just kind of um, 
press the end of one of the little nipples sometimes you'll see a little tiny squirt of milk now don't expect a squirt it's more of kind of little a little dribble and that would let you know that there's kind of active milk production i think the main thing is not to interfere too much as long as the mum and the kittens appear lively and well everything is probably going to plan a lot of the time if kittens are not getting enough milk they become very slow very sluggish or you know if they're wiggling around and not quite finding the right area to go for a drink then you may need to assist them in just finding that right area and getting them to latch on if you do have concerns or if the mum or the kittens do not appear lively and well in themselves it's best to get a vet involved early um because i suppose uh, postpartum mothers um they can be i suppose cats there are a number of things that can cause problems with milk letdown or even mastitis, so an infection of the milk glands. But particularly the kittens, really, because they're so small, so young, they don't really have any reserve. So they're very fragile little creatures. So if things are going wrong, it's important to know about it early. So if you have any concerns, if the mum or the kittens don't appear lively and well and content to do drinking, then it's time to get your vet involved and just double check that everything's doing okay. All right, and Deirdre is in Turner's Cross. Now, they have adopted from a relative who was ill, a Labrador who was four years old, male and neutered. But they want to know what's the best diet for this pet now. They want to ensure that, you know, he's been looked after nutritional wise and that they're giving him the right food. Okay, well, this is really great to hear because, you know, putting some thought into what you feed your pets is, is really important. And it does it does pay off in their in their health in the long term. It's like ourselves. If you if you eat absolute garbage, you're probably not going to feel great and your health will suffer. And it's exactly the same for dogs and cats. I think a, a kind of a healthy four year old male neutered dog, I would suggest um, uh, just a complete kibble diet. So for a dog, I would always suggest as long as they don't have any dental issues existing that would would cause issues. I would suggest feeding them a hard so a dry kibble diet so dog nuts essentially but one thing I would say is it's worth putting in a little bit of investment to make sure you're getting good quality food um, your your vet or vet nurse would be the best person to kind of guide you as to what they know is available locally and what would have kind of passed the appropriate testing so for dogs and cat food the main kind of testing that um, is kind of guarantees you essentially that the, the food is appropriate um, in both kind of vitamins and minerals and proteins and fats and it will kind of result in a good bone structure for that for that pet long term is something called AFCO food testing there is that that's that's the American version and that's the most common and that's absolutely fine there is a European one but the the acronym is not coming to mind at the moment but if you ask your local veteran nurse they'll be able to guide you with dog foods and cat foods you don't have to spend the earth but you do get what you pay for so I think it's important to find something that's kind of financially sustainable for you in your situation obviously um but just to make sure that it's of decent quality and it's also important just to consider um the calorie intake so probably assessing whether your dog is kind of of an ideal weight or you know in many cases after lockdown like like humans they've put on a few pounds and we we're seeing dogs that are a little bit overweight so if you're changing their food that might be a, a good time to just ask your ask your local vet nurse you know is is my dog of an okay bit body weight and condition score because they'll be able to let you know exactly how much of whatever food they guide you towards that you should be feeding so you mm. can make sure that your dog lives a happy and healthy life and you're supporting it as best you can. And two here uh, if we can get, get to these briefly first of all this is from a John he when he walks his dog another Labrador actually he notices on stone or rough ground his dog struggles but on a normal footpath or roadway he's fine could his paws be sore or could he have an injury because it seems to be on rough ground he struggles. 
yeah, he could potentially. Um, I think certainly a change in gait or a change in kind of stability when they're changing from kind of a rough to a hard surface um, is, is a really good indicator that there might be a subtle issue going on. It could be something in the paw or it could even just be discomfort higher up in the limb that's kind of being jarred a little bit more on a rough surface. I think it's probably best to visit your vet and get that checked out. And Tanya in Skibbereen, finally, she wants to know, are, is cheese, is it bad for dogs? Her dog jumped up on the table last night, ate a slice, and she's read before that cheese can be bad for animals. Okay. In very, very, very small amounts, very occasionally, it's okay. It's very high in fat and that can cause big tummy upsets in both cats and dogs. So it's not something I'd actually actively encourage. That said, the odd little tiny nibble of it here and there is not going to cause a great deal of harm in most pets. Okay, Jane, thank you for that. And we'll chat to you again next week on the programme. Great. Take Thank care. You. Thanks, Jane. Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. And just two uh, comments, first of all, on the issue of the hotel in Tipperary and the person that raised the issue. This li- listener says uh, on that, it's a shame on them. And this person feels it was a rip off. My friends and I would not be going there. Well done to that lady who raised it. There should be more people. And I wish there was more people like her out there. And on those who were commenting on the refugees coming in from Ukraine. Uh, This person on WhatsApp says, them poor people, they're coming into this country, they have no homes, God love them, they have to come to Ireland. Some people are so rude about what they say about these that are coming from Ukraine, they have no other choice, so leave these people alone. Uh, They say, shame on those who comment in that way. Enjoy your Thursday afternoon. I'm John Paul McNamara. My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. We'll chat tomorrow morning at 10am. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.